What's going on, Winnipeg fans all across Canada, all across the United States? You are now boarding the Winnipeg Terminal. I'm your host, Mike D'Andrea, along with Joe Pritchard. How we doing, Joe? Oh, just... Goodness. Yeah, I can't believe it. I, I was able to walk outside today without a coat. It was short sleeves in January. And how often yeah. do we get that in Wisconsin? Or Winnipeg. It sounds like they're having the same time as we are. That is very true. And of course, you know, we have different temperature scales and maybe being a little bit of a weather nerd like I am, you know, I kind of uh, love that stuff. But yeah, 52 degrees Fahrenheit in Eau Claire. And that broke a record by almost by five degrees. And that was an old record. Yeah, it wasn't even close. No. And we broke a record Monday, too. So this has just been a weird winter. We haven't had a lot of snow. And when I was up in Winnipeg uh, in December, they had actually a pretty decent amount of snow. But we didn't have any on the ground yet. And what I thought was kind of funny was, like, it was halfway through December and Grand Rapids – or Grand Rapids, wow, uh, Grand Forks, uh, you know, they have uh, all the snow in December, of course. There was nothing on the ground, even in Grand Forks. It was right before, it was like around Pembina that I actually saw some snow on the ground. And it was just shocking. You know, it's a trip to Winnipeg in December. You kind of expect the roads to suck. Well, the last time we drove up in March, we drove through a literal blizzard, so... I'm used to that idea too, but I do have a major weather question. Of course, Friday being Groundhog Day, if the Groundhog says there's six more weeks worth of winter, how does that work when we've only had two weeks of winter to begin with? Yeah, that's a very good question, and I really want to tell that stupid rodent that you know he needs to look at a calendar anyways because regardless, there's still going to be six more weeks of winter whether you listen to Punks Tony Phil or what is it, Sun Prairie Jimmy. Yeah, no, yeah, Jimmy was a big deal when I was down in the Madison area. I'm sure he was. Oh, good old Sun Prairie Jimmy. Well, you know, speaking of January, it's still, of course, the last day of January. So it is dry January. Still got to do my uh, Bush NA, but still good, uh, good night for a latte. And oh, that means that we're ready for takeoff. I, I could do a beer commercial, I'll tell you. Oh, we probably we probably could. Actually, I know some. I got some friends over in Vancouver that do a beer, a beer and crime podcast. So two popular types of podcasts lumped into one. Hmm. There, um, there was a a podcast that I was on. Uh, boy, oh boy, it was probably almost two years ago at this point. Called Banker with a Beer. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Um, New one but, on me. But um, what is it? I think it's. I forget what bank. I feel terrible for mentioning this and not remembering what bank he works for. But anyways, he does this thing where he has a local brewery and he has, uh, you know, takes a, a beer or whatever. Like it was Moon Ridge Brewery when I did it. And, you know, we sample a beer. We talk a little bit about it. And then, you know, he brings in like me by trade as a meteorologist. He had a lot of weather questions for me and everything. Um, but it was just kind of cool, really laid back conversation with a couple beers, kind of like what we do here, uh, too. But like it's kind of centered around the beer, which, you know, I can always plug a good latte or what is it that you have over there, Joe? I got the local stuff. I'm not doing dry January. I but sometimes if wish it's, I was. 
if it's over 50 degrees, it's almost summer, right? Mm-hmm. And Liney's just had their uh, summer shandy release party, too. So, I mean, 52 degrees, I think it warrants a summer shandy. And I tell you, if Liney's made an N.A. of, like, any kind, I would be all over that, like, white on rice. <laughs> yes, because you got another month left now, don't you? Yeah, I challenged a buddy of mine from when I lived in Bismarck. I was just, he shocked me because his birthday's in February too. And I told him, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I bet you can't do a dry month. I challenge you to a dry February. It's the shortest one. And he was like, done. And he said, by the way, it's rude to do that on someone's birthday month. And I was like, wait, you're actually going to do it? And he said, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, well, I talked myself into another dry month. So Here's to more Bush N.A. <laughs> or what is it? Uh, Blue Moon N.A. that I had a couple weeks ago. That was really good, too. Yeah, it's been getting a lot better on that front, too, over the years. Oh, for sure. Now, one thing, one big piece of news, uh, just to kind of bring, because I'm sure that people watching are wondering when we're going to get into the actual meat and potatoes of what we normally talk about, which is hockey and football usually centered around Winnipeg, of course, but this one more dealing with Canada. And of course, we've had uh, the developments in the World Juniors of Canada team uh, with the names that have come out. You know, there were all the rumors that were circulating uh, for for days, but now the, the list of names have come out since we had uh, since we had last been on. And Carter Hart at the center of that. I mean, he's been he was obviously a cornerstone for the 2018 junior team, but like went on to have a very successful NHL career thus far. But now, of course, with these very gruesome accusations, you know, it's it's tough to to see that, to see, I mean, to see anyone, just a hockey fan in general, uh, to see five guys uh, have those kind of accusations thrown their way, tough to see. Obviously, it's tough kind of hard to, to talk about. Yeah, it's tough. To, it's tough to see and tough to talk about, but it might have been necessary. Uh, completely honest, it seems like the culture of the sport, especially at the lower levels, especially at the junior levels, really needs to be exposed, put out in the open. It sounds like it. it you hear something new every day. It seems like problems, mm -hmm. problems all across both the U.S. and Canada at different levels of hockey, it just might be time to start to, to have some of these things come to light and have the next wave of hockey prospects and hockey players and even hockey fans go, okay, this isn't normal. Any, this isn't okay. This isn't normal. We shouldn't condone it. We shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't hide it anymore. We need to get this exposed and we need to get this changed. Absolutely. And think about it too. Like you're setting an example for those younger and yes, we'll even talk about the way younger generation. Like, you know, I got on skates at three years old and, you know, you could be very impressionable at that age. And if they see their heroes doing something like that, or just hearing about it, you know, that's not setting the example. And like you said, we need to start exposing this the the days of just oh let's keep that behind closed doors those are long gone and you know it, it's just it's tough to talk about it is but it's also important uh, absolutely 
And it just feels like, it feels like from where I sit anyway, and I'm not an expert by any means, it just feels like the hockey culture is taking longer to go ahead and and realize what kind of problems they've got going on. And it, from the highest levels, uh, they're doing everything they can to hide it to keep their money flowing through, mm-hmm. to keep their championships coming in. That's got to change too. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it does start from the top down. And that's kind of why with the, you know, Chicago Blackhawks scandal that was going on too, like it's, you don't want to use the word, I, I can't really find the right set of words for this, but like, it was nice to see that come to light. It was nice to see that exposed rather than trying to be kept under wraps or swept under the rug, kind of like it was during, you know, while this was going on, but couple of years later it gets exposed and we can finally start trying to make this right and saying that hey this is not tolerable anymore we can't be doing this right the hope and, and this one too at first it swept under the rug first initial police investigation not much comes of it it took more pushing it took litigation it took more more people pounding at the door going, there's more going on here. Open up and show us what's happening for this to have happened. And the hope is that if we can get those doors to start opening, we don't have to wait so long next time for the truth to come out. Yeah. And I mean, other names too, like uh, Dubay, you know, that was, that was another big one that, you know, guy that's having a, a successful career thus far and then you have other guys who have re- who have brothers that are currently playing you know mcleod for example you know like what what do you think ha- is going through like his mind i guess again it's a very touchy subject so that's why kind of trying to find the right words here but um what do you think you know, his brother has going through his mind, knowing that these accusations are thrown his way. Yeah. It'd be hard to be, it'd be hard to be a family member of one of the accused in this case, because you don't know what actually happened. You don't, you, you, you trust your family member to have done, be doing the right things. It's hard. It's hard to find out that maybe they weren't, it just really depends on their psyche and what and what they know and what they believe in to see how they were gonna, they would react to this. And one last uh, one last detail on this too, of course, is that the London police will be holding a press conference on February fifth uh, regarding this too. And we just want to emphasize, you know, the the list of names came out and. There is the innocent until proven guilty, but at the same time, these aren't just very light accusations. These are very gruesome accusations, too. So, you know, you just, uh, it just sucks. It sucks, but like we've been mentioning, it's better for it to have come to light even at this late hour than for it to have never come to light at all. Yeah, it was six years ago now and at this point. It's better, better late than never. Yep. And let's hope and let's keep, let's keep listening. Let's keep asking the questions. Let's keep paying attention 
when situations like this arise. And then maybe next time six years become six weeks, six days, six hours. And then, you know, eventually that's going to be and, a race. Eventually, yeah, and let's hope that as as time progresses, we don't have to talk about this anymore. The zero tolerance policy will finally be enacted and, you know, we can move on and actually enjoy the game of hockey without all of the extra locker room or even outside of the locker room issues. Well, I don't think we'll ever get there, but we that's certainly a good goal to strive for. Yes. And, you know, it's it's like when, you know, you, you want to put all the safeguards in place, basically. Now, kind of switching gears a little bit to not not the, the happiest topic to talk about either, but the bit of a face plant into the all-star break that, you know, the, the boys have been through. And I want to say the one of the biggest X factors that, you know, we've we've been saying it, but now that they have been playing without him, we're really starting to see what the team is without Shifley. And it begs the question, remember, you know, before he was extended, all of the question marks that were circling around him and, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll admit there were, there were quite a few fans that were like, okay, the way that he's been playing in the last like two or three years should probably just move on from him anyways. But now, Obviously, he's changed up his game a little bit this year, but the fact that he has been such an X factor on this team, he goes down day to day, and this is possibly seems to be turning into an Ehlers situation where day to day has started to become week to week, and you don't want to see him come back too early, but you also don't want to see him, you know, still not back come March. That's true, but. I would say holding him out of the last couple games before the break, taking the long break would give him time to heal and take the pressure off of, hey, come back as fast as you can. Because that's the way you aggravate injuries. And that's the way you make them go from day to day to month to month. And they're not like they're not in a bad situation, too. Sure, they they're on a little bit of a skid. It happens, you know, the best teams go on losing streaks too, unless apparently you're Edmonton. Um, but, you know, they, uh, they're they going to have these stretches of adversity and it's just how they push past it. You don't necessarily need Shifley in the lineup. It's great to have him, but, you know, you saw how good the, the boys did without Kyle Connor. So it's, you could lose one of your top players. You could lose your top player but the best teams know how to have that depth. They know how to push through it. And, you know, of course they had a bit of a tough schedule, a tough road trip out East, uh, which coming out of the all-star break, you know, Pittsburgh, they could be up or down in the stand, but no matter if they're at the bottom of the standings, they're still a tough team to play. And the paint can PPG paints arena. That's not an easy place to play either. And of course, Philly can, give us issues too as we've seen so yeah it's um it's not gonna be you know a cakewalk out of the all-star break either but to your point earlier i think this this break is very much needed it came at the right time too because there's only a couple of games before the break where they weren't looking so hot gives them a time to go back mentally refocus take their mind off of hockey for a few days 
come back fresh and go, okay, we did, this was our nice first half. Let's see what we can do to make this make that carry over into the second half. Easy to drop, easy to drop the couple losses at the end of, at the end of the first half uh, out of your mind when you've got all that time to refresh. The body will be fresh. A uh, couple players hopefully be back from injury. You can just go ahead and recalibrate and re and uh, reload right from there. And that depth that we've been talking about every week is really being tested with some of the injuries that we've had now too. So, yeah, yeah. And even and even moves and even moves uh, waiver moves have cost us some depth lately too. Don't even get me started on Chisholm. That's rough to go to a division rival too. And it, I mean, it's a pickup that makes a lot of sense for Minnesota. I can't, you can't really be mad at them, but. You know, well, I, I can, <laughs> but I mean, that's just my natural state. So that's fair. I, they, I mean, Minnesota needs defense. Let's just be honest. Jared Spurgeon can't do, can't be out there for 60 minutes and there's only one of him, you know? So, um, but it's still like, I've seen this on a lot of fan groups on like Facebook and whatnot. Uh, why, why put Chisholm on waivers and not Stanley? And That's I want to gather question. your thoughts on that. It seems like you agree with it. Well, I don't. There, there's me trying not to put myself in the GM chair because I'm eminently not qualified for that. <laughs> the armchair but, GM, you know. Yes. Matter of fact, I have an armchair right now that I'm sitting in. <laughs> However, they've got a lot invested in Stanley, and to just toss them on waivers would be just that would be tossing a first round pick to the weeds and GMs don't do that. They do everything they can to make the first round picks work out. If not, they try to get something for him. It sounds like from what I'm hearing, there was some trade talks about him earlier in the season where they could have gotten a little bit of value. Maybe that fires up closer to the deadline. Maybe he becomes a piece going over while they look for help elsewhere. Always good to have that in your wheelhouse and you're going to lose a depth player from, from time to time. But if you have somebody that still has value around the league, you don't want to lose them for free. Yeah. That that's what I think was kind of rough. Cause it's not like he played, he had a lot of NHL experience, but he had a lot of NHL potential, you know? So that's, yeah. well, that's a good problem to have though, is to have too much talent. Mm-hmm. And you know, to to your point about first round picks and trying to do everything that you can to make them succeed, uh, where does Hanela fit in? Well, there's one less person in his way now, right? <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I was I was not high on him when uh, you know he was first drafted. I was like, okay, maybe it's a little too high up in the draft because what what was he 10th overall i think yeah, if I remember it, wasn't correctly. A, it wasn't a low first rounder back then no and uh anyways uh i wasn't very high on him but i mean like looking at him i went to a preseason game in minnesota when you know he was like that that was his basically rookie year if you will um but 
he looked actually pretty sharp. It was preseason, so you know you take it with a grain of salt. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know where he's going to fit in. But like you said, there's one less guy in his way now. So I guess there's one that. less guy in his way. He's got the talent. From the sounds of it, he would have made the team out of camp had he not been injured. There's no reason to rush him. There's still time there. See if they have any problems on defense, or if you need to make a use a use somebody up higher in the depth chart right now as a trade piece to get something else you want. You know, you can slot him in and and see where he can take you. And scoring's been a bit of an issue as of late, which it hasn't really been for you know all season. Of course, it's great to have you know a Vesna caliber goalie, and the defense that they've played for the most part has been nothing short of stellar. Uh, but it would be nice to get one of those like top quality goal scorers at the deadline that may be shopped around. And, you know, going back to a conversation that we've had in the past, you know, seeing a guy like Sean Monahan on the Jets. I mean, I would love to see that, but, you know, well, I guess it remains to be seen. Yeah, you just have to avoid the trap of buying in a seller's market and trying to overtake your division rivals for the same player, getting bit up, paying way too much. Yeah. And we've seen other teams do that before. We've seen them sell the farm for one guy that doesn't quite pan out. That's not just a hockey thing. I mean, that's all across sports. Of course. Yeah. You don't want to throw away. You don't want to throw away your future for one kick at the can. When it's a one in thirty-two shot at this point, I mean one out of sixteen by the time you get to the playoffs, because you know half the teams are gone. And at the trade deadline, you know that you know about ten or twelve of them are gone already. But still, those mm-hmm. aren't great odds to get rid of your future for. You know, and uh, speaking of like trades in sports and whatnot, switching gears a little bit, and this might be coming out of left field. Maybe there's a pun intended there, but. You could be in a situation like the Pittsburgh Pirates are and every trade deadline just be like, okay, anybody that's, you know, an MLB talent, we're going to trade them to try to build our future. And then the very next year, okay, let's try to build our future again. The future you never comes. You that treadmill and you're stuck. <laughs> so I guess there's, you know, more than one problem there. But, I mean, the, the Pirates. The first problem up, is that you're the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yes, that is also a problem. You know, it's been a problem since 1979, but or sorry, 1980, I should say, because they won the series in 79. But yeah, it's been a problem since 1980. That it has. It hasn't been a lot of good times in Pittsburgh for for the baseball scene. No, and not much for the football team either. <laughs> They've had um, a few more few few more good years than the Pirates have, though. Recently, yes, but. You know, this was something that I was talking about at work today. The, you know, I was asked the question, is Mike Tomlin a good coach? And I was like, okay, I'll say this. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he, I I think he could be a great coach, but I think he's a good coach that got complacent and complacency kills. And that's what's happening to the Steelers. They'll be good enough to get you at least a winning record because everybody says Mike Tomlin has, Never had a, a losing season, which he hasn't, you know, as a head coach. But, uh, I mean, like, he's four of those seasons, he has had a playoff win out of 17. 
non-losing seasons. We won't say winning because a couple of those were eight and eight. Yes, back when back when you could finish five hundred in the NFL. Yes, that is kind of funny that they threw a wrench in things for the seventeenth game. <laughs> like, why not just pump it, pump it to eighteen, and be done with it? Mm-hmm. But what do I know? I guess I'm just. I know, right? We're just we're just here slinging opinions, right? Yep. And now, while we're on the subject of football, I feel like this is a great segue. And you know where I'm going with this for all of the Bombers news that's been seemingly coming down the pipeline, like between the last two days. Left, right, and center, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm going to make a terrible segue, they did resign center Chris Kolinkowski. Uh, Johnny Augustine is back too, but Jack- Jackson Jeffcoat's going to test free agency. Yeah, I'm trying to read my notes. I'm having trouble because I, uh, at some point during the day, I just started scribbling Strevy all over it. So, <laughs> Jay, yeah, I wonder to, why. Excuse me. I, I no, no idea. Actually, unfortunately, my fur coat and my cowboy hat they're at they're at the cleaners, so I couldn't. <clears throat> that was that was just perfect on the bombers Facebook to post that today and just said soon. At the bottom, <laughs> I saw that and like, okay, it would be let's let's be honest with ourselves, be a great reunion, but at what price? I we do know the price from the sounds of it, hundred twenty k. I mean, you know, a certain number twenty. Yeah, but so let me defend the Strebler signing in the financial okay. sense. He's going to be your backup. He's making 120. Some teams have backups a little bit higher. Some teams have backups a little bit lower. But he also fills that role that Dakota Prukop had last year of third down quarterback, where that's literally all Dakota Prukop was there for, was the third and shorts. Or, oh, look, we got him in a bad defense after we did third down. Let's run one or two plays with him as the running quarterback. Strevler's... 10 times the running quarterback that Dakota Prukop is. And Dakota Prukop, I guarantee you, did not play for the rookie minimum last year. So they were not throwing a lot of money at it as far as that goes. That's he's fair. Got some, he's, he has incentives in his contract where, start, where play time equals more money. But if he has enough play time to trigger those incentives, presumably that Claros is on the sixth game, which... A would be terrible, but B, some of the money off of Zach's cap would be gone, and Strebler's money would fill fill that in at that point. That's fair. I, I like the analysis, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I am not mad about the the signing. I'm no. very happy about the signing. Uh, every but every other every most fans from other teams are sitting there going, "Why are you guys so crazy about this?" I can tell you why. He hit, the, he hit the emotional high point that Bomber fans have been waiting for for 30 years, stepped on the gas, and made him the most popular guy in the province overnight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now you have a chance. He, he went to the NFL, played well enough to get into games, got to see some action. He's back after four years of NFL training, seems to have become a better player. 
So don't mind us for being excited to A, have a celebrity back, and B, have one that may be better than he was when he was here. And when he was here, he was good enough to be a solid backup quarterback. Not the guy you'd want to start 18. But if he's starting for you for a month, you're not in trouble. And you think, too, like the quarterbacks that he's been with, um, God, when was was he with the – what year was he with the Jets? Because I think that was when Flacco was there. And Flacco, obviously, a very experienced quarterback in his own right. And we saw this year that he could just get up off the couch and mm-hmm. take the Browns to the playoffs. Uh, Which, and, I mean, is a, is a feat for anybody, much yeah. less a guy that's supposedly retired. Yeah, and I mean, when you say that you're taking the Browns to a Super Bowl, you're not usually talking about the football team. Yeah, no, that's usually a euphemism else. for something else. <laughs> but, you know, another guy that uh, in the quarterback room when he was with Arizona was Kyler Murray. Another, yeah. you know, some like to to give him the, the DAC treatment, but let's not discount Kyler is not a bad quarterback. He's He might not be you know, your Patrick Mahomes, but he's no, he, he shouldn't get the DAC treatment. No, but I mean, who is Patrick Mahomes besides Patrick Mahomes? So that's not really a fair comparison for anybody. Cam Newton thinks he's Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> uh, Cam Newton's wrong. Cam, you know, he, he posted something uh, recently, I believe it was on X, where he was like, uh, you know, Back when I was in, there was only one of me. Now there's a whole league full of me's referencing like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and CJ Stroud. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry, but if you want to go that route, if you want to say these guys are you, then they're a better you than you. That's the idea. Players get better. Players get better and more talented as we go, and the game just continues to become more and more of a talent game instead mm-hmm. of instead of having these wide gaps of talent between teams. Talent, the talent level is so high in the league now that those gaps are like this, and a couple plays, turnovers, coaching—they all have a bigger effect than they used to. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you if you want to split hairs here. There was a Cam Newton before Cam Newton got into the league, and his name was Michael Vick. You know, obviously he had some off-the-field issues, uh, but, like, if we're talking strictly football here, he played a similar style, and he was lefty. So, like... And there was Randall Cunningham before that, and before Randall Cunningham, there was a CFL quarterback stable of the 80s. Yeah. So... There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of Cam Newtons out there when he thought that he was the only one. He wasn't the only one. He was a good one. Yeah, he was good. He wasn't. But he wasn't a trailblazer like he tried to to say there, you know. And I mean, I can you know dissect that all I want. Cam Newton is a not a better, not only a better quarterback, but a better athlete than I am, and probably better at a lot of things than I am, if I'm being honest. But uh, that's just, you know, if you're going to try to go that route, then let's not forget some of the great actual trailblazers that were out there. Uh, and there were many, and 
they kept evolving the quarterback position to where now Patrick Mahomes isn't looked at as a different kind of quarterback. Jordan Love isn't looked at as a different kind of quarterback. They're looked at as this is the way the game is evolving to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things, and I, again, you know me, I have no skin in the game. I'm not a Packers fan or a Vikings fan by that matter. But, uh, you know, it's it's kind of nice to see a guy like Jordan Love have those shades of the nostalgia, if you will. Like, you know, he had he has some Brett Favre-esque throws for good and bad. But, you know, it's... Green Bay is doing something right with that, uh, the way they develop quarterbacks, I got to say. Yeah, the quarterback coach for a bunch of years wore this logo. <laughs> so also I would true. say, I would say that they've, uh, he's done pretty well developing quarterbacks. Yeah. Now, kind of, you know, switching focus a little bit, we're talking about free agency signings where, you know, we're talking about those that, want to test the the free agency market now when does the negotiation window open when does it close what are your thoughts what do you got so it looks yeah so it's february 4th at noon eastern so all these times are going to be eastern so i don't repeat myself over and over (laughs) so that means any player that's a free agent is still officially under contract with their teams until february 13th but February 4th allows the rest of the league a chance to negotiate before the official start of free agency. They can make an official offer. It would go into a database that the league and the PA have. That window closes February 11th at noon. Then there are te- then the players' original teams have 48 hours of exclusive negotiating time. And then players can start accepting some of these offers that are in the database uh, as of 10 a.m. on February the 13th. And if they don't like what's in there, they become officially free agents as of noon on the 13th. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of running backs that may end up being free agents from the looks of things. That uh, That was one of my next questions, too. What do you think... Winnipeg needs best to be able to continue this streak of getting to the Grey Cup, but maybe finally being able to get the monkey off our back and finally win this time around. We we bring our shoes, but or we we make to the dance, we forget our shoes. Yeah, so a better pair of shoes would help. Uh, I would hate to see Brady Oliveira play somewhere else, but as time goes and he's unsigned, that. The, the chances of that go up. I think if he officially hits free agency, he's probably gone. Sure. But there are a lot of guys out there, including William Stanback, who got his release yesterday from Montreal. So he could sign now. He's no, he's no longer property of Montreal. So he could sign anytime. There's a glut of running backs in the market and they're all chasing top dollar. It's going to be very interesting to see where that market settles. I think we're going to start seeing – we're not going to see anybody sign before February 4th at noon where teams can start throwing the offers at players that aren't on their roster. What's going to happen, I think, is I would say by the 6th, 7th, every team's going to have made their pitch, and the dominoes are going to start to fall. I think – and by that, I mean there will be a player or two that resigns with their own team, seeing what they have, 
and then everybody else will settle in around where they have fallen on the salary scale. So what you're kind of suggesting here then is kind of like uh, if we're relating it to the NFL, a Todd Gurley situation where he got he got paid and then all of a sudden, you know, these other running backs are starting to get, you know, paid a lot more, which is, you know, great for them. But let's not lose sight of the fact that running backs are one of the more like less or should I say one of the less prolonged uh, careers just because, I mean, you're in the trenches, you're getting knocked out every play, you know, it's, yeah. it's such a physical I, position. Yeah. And Brady Oliveira is younger than most of the free agents out there. He's also got the Canadian passport, which is huge because you have to abide by the ratio and having a running back with that's Canadian makes it a lot easier to play in America somewhere else. So I think he's going to he's going to be the market trendsetter. He may be the last domino to fall. And if he doesn't if he isn't signed by the end of that negotiate by the end of that negotiation window, I fear where he's going. Where would you expect him to go? Because I know that there's a lot of places he could, but where would you expect well, him? Pretty to much every, pretty much everywhere is open. Like Brady's a hometown kid. Yeah. So there's not a there's not a, back if everybody remembers Andrew Harris being a free agent, he was out in Vancouver. He had been out there for a while, but Winnipeg was home. So there was a, there was a lot of talk about him coming. Brady's Brady is already here, so there's not some other city going. This is home. Come back home. So they have that advantage if he wants to stick around. On the other hand, if if he's free, it's going to be whoever throws the most cash at him. And seeing the names that are out there right now, AJ Olette, uh, Jamal Morrow, Kadeem Carey, Devontae Williams, Williams Davak, that's over half the league that doesn't have their starting running back signed at this point. So any of those is fair game. And even ones that do have their guy signed may throw money at Brady and get rid of the guy they have. Always oh, even a, a trade chip too. Yeah, potentially if you got a guy signed and some team comes comes into the end of the end of the uh, merry-go-round without a, an established guy, they may be tossing a draft pick at you for the guy you've got. And that's a good way to not fall into the cycle of selling the farm or becoming the Pittsburgh Pirates. Exactly. Don't become the Pittsburgh Pirates. In a lot of ways, you know, bottom line, Bob doesn't really like to spend, but what he will do is spend ridiculous amounts of money for washed up talent, like signing Araldis Chapman, for example. It's great. He still has the a little bit in the tank. He could still hurl the ball, you know, in the triple digits, but like I'd have been a lot more excited about this signing if it was 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> Should we just start calling him bottom of the standings, Bob, too? <laughs> yeah. Bottom line, Bob. Bottom of the standings, Bob. Whatever you want to call him, just don't call him a champion. Because he ain't going to bring one to Pittsburgh, let's be honest. <laughs> well, you know, we've uh, we've been busy on the Winnipeg Terminal, but even on the uh, the personal front. So 
there's a little bit of a difference in the Dandria house. So we're, we're going to take this bad boy down. We're going to start to uh, make our way in for landing here. But last week, if you tuned in to the Winnipeg Terminal podcast, my wife, you probably saw her walking back and forth around here uh, because, you know, I'm in my basement, of course. That's the, the podcast area at, at the bar, of course. Uh, but we didn't have any carpet upstairs and we didn't have any room in our kitchen or our bathroom upstairs just because we got new carpet. And we just got that put in yesterday. So yesterday was a lot of taking all the stuff up and we've got a baby on the way too. So like this whole room right here, which I call my man cave or, you know, the, the bar I call the parents lounge and stuff. Um, I could not, even with an NA beer, I could not in good conscience drink a beer down here because of all of the toys. We're having a little girl and she's due in six weeks. And, uh, all of the toys, all of the stuffed animals and everything that were down here, I could not in good conscience have a beer. <laughs> yeah, so just like Princess Auto Field, the Dandria household is getting new turf. Yep, exactly. <laughs> the the throne room, which there you well, go. they they you know they they named it after uh, my daughter because she's gonna be my princess. But um <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they call me the Punisher for a reason because my puns are so bad. Yep, you got the dad jokes working. Good, you're you're well under. You, you get you you got that down already. <laughs> Next Listen. is changing diapers. Good luck with that. Oh yeah, not excited for that. But you know what? I had a moment. Speaking of dad jokes, I had a moment that I knew I was ready to be a dad. This was like two or three weeks ago we still had snow on the ground and my wife she had taken out like the trash and the recycling or whatever but i guess we had like too much stuff in our recycling so the wind it was kind of windy that day it, it blew uh one of the the cardboard boxes to the side of the house so she says uh go out and grab the box and then she said with your boots because she didn't want you know, she got to tell me what to do, not walk around in tennis shoes in the in the snow. So when she said, pick it up with your boots, what do I do? This was at like seven in the morning. So I'm still at my job and I get off work at about, you know, 1230, one o'clock generally uh, because I go in at butt crack early. And uh, anyways, so five or what, seven hours later, I go out, I pick up the box. I bring it into my garage. I take my boots, put them on my hands, and I'm holding the box like this with a really confused look on my face. I make sure that my phone has a little timer on the camera. And I took the picture and was like, okay, I grabbed it with my boots. Now what? That's when I knew I was ready to be a dad. Yeah, and that's when she knew she was raising two of you. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And you know what? My daughter, she is going, she's obviously going to be born here in a couple of weeks. By the time she's probably eight months old, she's probably going to be more mature than her dad. Yeah, yeah. And there's always that possibility. I, so far, thankfully, I'm ahead of my six-year-old, but probably not by for, for too much longer. <laughs> not much longer. <laughs> you guys just got the one? We got the one. And he actually, he had a 
he had a little, they do a little travel thing in his kindergarten class where each week they travel to a different country. Hmm. The first week they did Canada, which I hardly approved of. And they do show and tell on Fridays. Uh, so I, so my wife had to say, you can only send so many things. You can't just take your basement and take it over to school. That's just not going to be feasible. <laughs> Oh my. Yeah. That is great. Yeah, so he's coming home. So he's coming home with worksheets talking about the Mounties. So I bring out the picture that I have on my Twitter header. <laughs> yeah, I'm ahead of you. I know this. I know this already. We're good. Does um does he go with you on your trip sometimes? He has not come to Canada yet. Mostly because those tend to be easy trips I take alone, but not always. Sure. Uh, but like most of the family stuff, we went to Arizona last summer or last oh fun winter. Most of that, my wife tends to like to go to warmer places in Canada, which is pretty much everywhere. So <laughs> she's also done her loop of Canada with me. Really, the only places she's missed is Alberta so far. And that was supposed to be 2017, the year he was born. So that trip got mm. canceled before it was booked, thankfully. Sure. But yeah. it'll happen at some point. We got to hit Banff at some point. Oh, I want to go to Banff. I was uh, actually with uh, Scooter, so with the the Elks call, um, he and I were. I, I went to visit him, and we talked about like going to to Banff or whatever. But thing is, is while I was there, this was just a couple days before COVID, and then COVID happened while I was there, and I ended up leaving a day early because I heard the rumors of them closing the border back to the States and like, even like turning down Americans. And so I was like, uh Oh, I don't want to be stuck here. I mean, I, I'd love to hang out with the boys a little longer, but you know, I got bills to pay back. home. <laughs> so, you know, it, it would have been nice to, to get that like, you know, 600 a week or whatever. That'd be great. But, uh, I, still would have liked to been in my own house yeah so i actually had a trip extended because a COVID restriction got lifted oh. so it was 2022 i got sent to the opener because around valentine's day that year my wife got sick of me being upset about something at work and she's like you know what you shush you you're you're having a better day than you think you're now going to the home opener so you can see the banner drop because <laughs> usually i go to banjo bowl but that year she sent me to the home opener so I'm thinking I'm going to leave Sunday, you know, fly in Friday, home opener, go go on, go on home on Sunday. Mm. And it turns out that, oh, by the way, if you wait one more day, you don't have to take a COVID test to get back in the States. <laughs> and she sends that to me and says, extend your trip one day. Like, <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. Delta, do, 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 done. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, I'll spend another day on the couch here. I'll have fun. <laughs> those COVID tests were not fun too. Oh, did I hate those? But hopefully that's in the past. Hopefully we don't I was gonna say, ever really see anything like that, that again. No. Yeah, no. I mean, I know that like COVID's going around and everything, but like we would like to see it eradicated. But I'm sure they said the same thing about the Spanish flu. But at least now it's like, okay, it is flu season, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we know what to expect going in and it, 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 
you don't have those uncomfortable tests for the flu. No, there's the uncomfortableness of the of, of it all was no fun. Hopefully, yeah, just, hopefully it did some good though. Right. I was gonna say there was some there was some good that came out of it too. But wow, here we are talking about uh, the COVID now. Boy, I love seeing where our conversations stray. We just go all on, over the place. Yeah, on the takeoff and the landing, especially those are those are where all bets are off. Yep. Hopefully, we don't crash this thing into a hill at some point. I mean, we did have some turbulence when we were trying to do. What was it? Two weeks ago, we we hit quite a bit of turbulence. But you know what? We still landed the plane. That's all that matters. Yep, just as long as it's not nose first. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think that uh, speaking of landing, I think that is it. You know, we are the Winnipeg Terminal. We are clear for landing for the dub. Go Jets, go.